This is the Mindvox podcast hosted by Claire Jacobs. Mindvox is a space to talk about our minds and mental health, so we cover topics that can be of a triggering or sensitive nature. We will always highlight the topics we cover in the show notes of each episode's description, so please read these before listening. Please note we're not medical experts, we're only experts of our own mental health experiences. To find out more about the pod or contact us, find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using the name Mindvox Pod. Hi everyone and today I am speaking to Laura Clark who is a life mindset and self-care coach. Um, and hello. Been, hello, you all right? <laughs> Good to you. I'm okay. I'm. I think what I'm interested in hearing about with you is the bit I've read about you. Is it right that you like to support mums to find their self identity, their sort of self worth, their acceptance? Because I find that really, really inspiring and uh, intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I suppose the whole purpose of my work and what I do. I think when you become a mum, you not all mums, but you know, a lot of mums who I who I know personally, who I've met professionally, mm. um, they they put obviously all their energy and all their emphasis and everything onto their children. Which again, you know, obviously being a mum, you mm. know, we have that unconditional love for our children, don't we? But a lot of the times, mums kind of put their self last at the bottom of the pile, and they mm. think about everything and everyone else. Mm. And then you know, we have all of this mum guilt and um that lack of self-belief that lack of self-worth loss of identity mm-hmm. um people's self-esteem and confidence goes and I'm I'm just very passionate I'm very very passionate about like mental health and well-being and motherhood that's brilliant and I think one of the reasons I wanted you on here and my understanding is that we're going to get to talk about your own experiences of mm-hmm. having a baby and the birth trauma and sort of maternal mental health and Hopefully, towards the end of it, you'll give us some sort of, I don't know, self-care tips and I'll mindset techniques, <laughs> because I imagine there's a lot of um, parents, I, probably it's not just for mums, there's a lot of um, fathers that can go through birth trauma, even just watching yeah. their partner go through horrific births and having to sort of even sort of work with them on um, postnatal depression. I'm hearing more and more now of actual fathers having postnatal depression, where a lot of people assume that's not even existing you didn't have the baby you don't have the hormones but actually Mm. I think the trauma of and the change to your life with your first child or a child that might have come you know in in a very difficult circumstance you know it it can cause depression or certainly triggers for the fathers as well and I think it can be quite forgotten but I think it, it sounds really interesting to hear your your views on a lot of it because for me I did have quite a traumatic birth but I guess I've never really looked at it and I think there's a lot of women out there that just push it aside because we're all told birth is not going to be pleasant you just get on with it and then you've got a lovely baby at the end of it but (laughs) I mean what was it for you because I understand you've got is it a three-year-old daughter now yeah yes so she's three now yeah yeah so she she turned three at the beginning of this month actually um so yeah I mean I suppose with, with my journey my trauma if I'm honest it started in the pregnancy so me and my husband we 
it took a little while for us to conceive um so obviously I was like you know as people as you know in your life you know you have your friends and you have family mm. you have kids you know and it was the thing where we were very much like because we got married in that year as well and we were very much like you know if it happens it happens kind of thing we weren't being the most careful if you like but equally a nice surprise if we were to get pregnant and it was I remember like there was about six months where um you know you'd get to that kind of like time of the month and then it would happen and then you'd, and then I'd always feel a little bit like oh or like if your period would be late and then you'd be like oh am I and then it's like oh no okay mm. um and then it was it was after when me and my husband got married we went away to my friend's um B&B it was a wedding present actually in Norway and he said look we can either give you some money or you can come for a weekend in Norway stay with me and my husband and me and, my, me and my husband were very much like, let's just put like, you know, the baby sort of planning or whatever, just to the back mm. of our heads and enjoy it. Mm. Well, funny enough, when we got back, we believed that's where our daughter was conceived because oh. we were relaxed, we were enjoying ourselves and we were just like, yeah, you know, well, you know, just, yeah. And um, it all kind of, I suppose from there really, like I, I experienced sickness, very, very bad sickness through the pregnancy um I, I wasn't always sick every day but it was things anything to just trigger me off like just seeing a moldy banana or mm. um a smell just my senses are so heightened um so everything was just sort of like triggering the sickness I went off food I had weird cravings and as you do as you know when you're yeah, pregnant yeah what was your weirdest <laughs> craving then I never had oh, weird ones but so I <laughs> I had kind of a number at first it was like apples which isn't it doesn't sound like a weird craving but I remember I was eating about four or five apples and I had to say to Andy like I need an apple I need like a green the most <laughs> like sourest apple gherkins mm. was another I remember Andy happened to go to McDonald's to just get me just a box of gherkins to eat at like 10 mm. o'clock at night wow. um what else was there salt like you know like fish and chips salty mm. chips Mm. they were that was a craving of mine bacon was something I had all through the pregnancy um I went off coffee and cheese which are like my favorite things I have to have a cup of coffee every morning <laughs> um, wow. I don't I don't sort of like survive without a coffee um oh what else was there mango was one so they're not like weird but it was just like my cravings changed through the pregnancy yeah I think they do don't um, they but yeah, it sounds like you said that um but your actual sort of trauma if you like started before you even gave birth then so when did things start to yeah. become difficult so for you? It, it started to become difficult it was through the 12 week scan mm. um obviously they were very much like you know do you want to get tested to see if there were if there's kind of any abnormalities or anything and I'm just very much like yeah just take my blood take test take whatever you need mm. and I remember the midwife phoning me and she said you know I, I'm just giving you a ring because you've become um on the scan it shows that you're high risk for um down syndrome and edward syndrome okay. and like you know and i was just at work and i remember i just froze and i was just like right and you know when you hear that your first child you just think what you know mm. and then i was going through i was questioning everything thinking well hold on this you know i there's no one in my family there's no one in andy's family what's edward syndrome you know i was, I was mm. you know you, your mind kind of goes into panic um and then me and my husband, we had to go to the hospital, speak to the head midwife. And she said, you do have the option to go through um, called a CVS procedure, which was like an earlier stage of an am, you know. 
Um, right. So we had to go to Abbey Brooks um, in Cambridge to have the procedure done. And I suppose in some ways, subconsciously, that's suppose where like the trauma in a way started because y- your mind, I was just kept, I just kept thinking, is there going to be something with my baby? Am I going to have to give up work? Am I going to have to be a carer? All of this stuff I was just thinking in my head. Mm. Um, so obviously I had the procedure done, witnessing obviously the needle going into the placenta and everything mm. near the baby, Oof. near the baby's head. I was just like, oh, and it, it just, again, I, I sort of just was thinking about my baby. I didn't even really think about me. Mm-hmm. So then it was that. And then I had um, high blood pressure as well. I also had... So the reason why she, uh, my daughter and the pregnancy and everything was high risk was because I had um, what they call it, like a low PAPA hormone. I don't know if you've heard of that before. I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And that that made us go into the high risk category. And they said, right, you know, because of the low PAPA hormone, it means that it, it basically determines the growth of the baby, whether you're going to have a, a small baby or a big baby. And I thought the ironic thing will be, I'm a curvy woman. My husband's like, six foot three quite a big bloke I said we're gonna have a small baby and I was right like (laughs) on the scan they said oh she's actually appearing smaller so we're going to be obviously monitoring you with your high blood pressure your daughter with um obviously we didn't know at the time but our baby obviously with her growth um and they said it doesn't look like you're going to go full term it looks like you're going to be having the baby early so we need you to come in before like 37 weeks so then I was induced and then that's when again the, the birth trauma happened so I was in hospital for about three or four days before hearing people give birth in the middle of the night, oh, pushing dear. the baby out. I was just like, oh shit, this is going to be me. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. um, so then, yeah, I had with the, with the birth, there was gas in air, epidurals. Mm. I was just mm. very much like, just give me whatever. I had all of this hypnobirthing and Andy, my husband, Andy, he was like, just remember the breathing because he's really, really calm, my husband. And I just said, Andy, <laughs> I said, I really appreciate what you're saying. I said, you are not pushing a baby out of your parts, are you? So mm-hmm. I said, I just appreciate just hold my hand and shut up. Okay. Um, but it was it was a long labour. It was very, very long. There was a point where I blocked out that um, when I was going through, obviously, my notes with um, the midwife, basically, because of the blood pressure, I was pushing my daughter out, but my daughter wasn't. She basically got stuck and her... Mm heart rate was dropping my heart rate was rising because I was trying to push my daughter around because yeah. she was smaller it was harder for her to get out so I, apparently there was a time where I was pushing for like I don't know if it was an hour and a half or two hours and nothing was happening that and so yeah so I, I found all of that stuff out mm. after um and I it's funny because I when I was going for obviously my postnatal I kept having that kind of flashback kept appearing and Andy was like I can't remember that and I was like I'm pretty sure it did happen Mm. um which actually it did and then yeah so then obviously she arrived and then she was taken away because obviously she was born like I think it was just the 37 weeks on the day she was just born then so was she she classed as premature officially or not (laughs) she because she was literally just born on the 37th so she was literally so she if it was earlier, she would have been prim. But right. the day that she was born, she was classed as full term. Does that make sense? But just yeah. full term. Mm. So she was then mm. taken away um, to check on her lungs because her lungs weren't properly, um, what do you call it? Because obviously she was born that little bit earlier. They had to. She couldn't really cry properly or anything like that. So she was kind of doing this ah, 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 instead of really, really crying. 
Mm. Um, I then couldn't breastfeed because obviously when I had the epidural, I then got um, torn when I because mm. I had a forceps as well to get her out. Mm. So it took away obviously the breastfeeding that I, I mean I was very open whether to breastfeed or bottle feed, and I know some people are very much best, you know, breast is best and whatever else. And I was very much like if I can do it, I can do it. If I can't, I can't. Whatever mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. um, I, I suppose when you have the baby, you want to give it a try. Some people want to give it a try, and I was yeah. one of them people. I thought, oh, she's here, let's latch her on, and she did mm-hmm. latch onto my boobs. Oh, but good. my milk, my milk wasn't there my milk wasn't there and then when it was there I was on antibiotics for the infection I had from my stitches down there so they very much said to me once you're on these antibiotics you, that you basically can't breastfeed so right. in a way that was kind of taken away from me mm. so I remember there was one night when me and my daughter were up in the night and my milk was just coming through but I couldn't give her any she kept wanting to have, her head kept going towards my boobs yeah because she can smell it can't she so she can like, smell it why can't I, I have it and it, oh. it sounds so weird, but I had that bit of guilt. I had that bit of guilt thinking, mm. oh, you know, if I was strong enough to push you out and all this, and, like, my, my husband, he's brilliant. He was just like, look, it's just one of them things. You can't, mm. you know, it can't be helped. Um, so then, obviously, like, you know, six months went by, and um, I then ended up having, like, PTSD. So I ended up having, like, flashbacks from the labour, flashbacks from the pregnancy. I ended up having, like, this pain that was going through my chest, which was a bit like, I think it was sort of anxiety because I do suffer with anxiety. Mm. Um, but I couldn't really move. I couldn't really breathe. I could hear my daughter in the other room. Andy was just very much like, you know, are you okay? And I just said, I don't know what's wrong with me. Then I started having like intrusive thoughts. Now, this is something that's very, a lot of people don't talk about intrusive thoughts in postnatal yeah. because yeah. I think a lot of people feel like embarrassed and yeah. ashamed that it shouldn't be. People mm-hmm. shouldn't feel ashamed having postnatal or PTSD or anxiety because it's a big thing. It's a massive thing giving birth to a child and having a baby growing inside you. It's totally it's normal, but people don't realise, like you said, it's that hang on, will no. people judge me if I admit I yeah. have thoughts that are not sort of deemed as socially acceptable? Isn't no. It? Well, this is the thing. I remember um, there was one time I took my daughter swimming and this is when the PTSD and the intrusive thoughts and everything was going on Mm. I used to put my baby in a baby carrier and I had to stop because I kept getting visions of her falling through the baby carrier and cracking her head open I live in a two-bed flat we live on the sixth floor with a balcony I couldn't even put her on the balcony because I kept having visions of her falling off the balcony yeah Uh, just really my thoughts were just messed up and then I remember there was one time I went, I took my daughter swimming and there was a man there. And I, I, to be honest, he was probably looking at me and Elena thinking, oh, how, you know, I'll oh, bless mother and daughter. But I was thinking to myself, why is he looking at my daughter for? Is he a paedophile? I was thinking just that the thoughts were just messed up. Right. And because I, I used to do like youth work and family work and everything before I resigned. And I had some of what they experienced. I was thinking about some of the kids that I've supported and worked with and the families I've worked with, what they experienced, thinking, oh, my God, am I going to do that to my child? And is this going to happen to my child? Really mm. just my head was just all over the shot. And I just thought, you know what, I, I, I need to sort myself out. I was getting up in the night. This happened for about two months. I was having, like, nightmares, like I say, flashbacks, panicky. Um, I could go out, but I couldn't go out for long. I couldn't be in, like, crowded places. Um, mm-hmm. whenever I'd go to baby groups, I'd always feel, even though I had friends with me, 
I always kind of felt like I was a bit alone and I always felt like I was being judged, judged yeah. by like what I was doing with my child and judged by bottle feed and breastfeeding, all of this mm. stuff. And I remember speaking to my husband and I was speaking to my mum and I just broke down and I just said, I'm not myself. And there was one time with my daughter, I just, I couldn't hold her. It, it sounded ridiculous. She was crying and I think she just wanted me. And I felt like I couldn't hold her because I kept thinking am I going to do something to her am I going to hurt her am I going to and Andy was just like yeah you, you need to I said I think I need to ring the doctor he said yeah you do you need to speak to the doctor and then when I went to the doctors that's when they kind of said yes you've gone through postnatal and you've had a lot happen with your pregnancy and like with your labor and you know and they did say oh you know you can go on the waiting list for um the well-being service but they said yeah. oh it's going to take about three months or six months and I thought I can't wait that long I can't no. I, that's too long too long and then um because like I say I'm a trained counsellor I kind of knew what was going on and I knew I needed to kind of sort myself out I got in contact with my counsellor and I said I think I know what's happening to me and she said look book in with me next week and I said to my husband look I know we're on maternity leave but he said look at the end of the day you know if this is going to help you yeah I don't mind if you pay um mm. you know if we pay for it and it was the best thing that I'd done and it because it made me understand that actually with intrusive thoughts it's more of the fact that it's not something that you're going to do it's not something that's going to happen it's like a fear of something happening because you're yeah. so protective of your child mm. you want to make sure that you know you want to keep them safe so it's that fear that's coming in and that's kind of the whole intrusive thought so it's a little bit of cbt i suppose i had with my counselor who's like an integrative um qualified counselor but it really really helped really helped and I think the more I was having the counselling, the more I was speaking to other mums and then lockdown happened. I kind of thought, yeah, there really needs to be something. There needs to be a service out there for mums where, you know, it's it's okay for them not to be okay. You know, you don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend like, you know, you you see pictures on social media and and I think social media can sort of have a way of making the mum feel shit sometimes. You know, you should be doing this and doing that and and I suppose my work that I do, I'm sort of very real. Yes, there's photos of me, like, probably looking happy or me and my daughter. But I do say sometimes some days are bloody tough. And it's okay to be, you know, for it to be tough, you know. Definitely. So, we need more of that on social media, definitely. I think that's why yeah. I created Mental Health Monday on Instagram, because I was sick of just the perfect posts on Instagram. And yeah. it's like, actually, we don't all have it that perfect all the time. No. And- and actually it's okay to sort of say it's been a really bad time recently or I'm struggling or I feel lonely or I'm not coping yeah. you should be able to say that without fear of judgment um absolutely that's absolutely. really good that you've done that so so you were already sort of a trained counsellor before you had a baby and then yeah the things that you've gone through and then the support you received from your counsellor it sounds like it inspired you to then look into doing what you now do in terms of the sort of yeah. life the mindset and the self-care coaching so yeah. is that yeah. particularly aimed at uh, mothers or is that generically for anybody do you know what I mean I did start it like primarily for mothers but I am sort of reaching out now to I suppose women who want to become mothers women mm. who I mean I've worked with a woman before who's um, a foster mum so she hasn't right. even got kids of her own um that she's obviously in that role of a mother um but I mean I want to reach out more to women who who aren't actually mums as well you know who Mm. who maybe are in a motherly role who might be an aunt or you know who might even have a best friend who's got a child and you you know what I mean sort of have that kind of 
maternal role and um I'm really looking also into the self the self-love the self-love and the self-worth because I think as a mother Mm. like I said before you do lack that kind of self-love and that self-worth in yourself sometimes and is that stuff that you so obviously you went through the stuff with the cancer and it sounds like it was very CBT led with a little bit probably Mm. I don't know humanistic sort of talking counselling but the things that you're now trained in sound slightly different so how did you come about those and sort of what are the main I don't know what the right word is this what's the the main sort of aims with them or the sort of techniques what's the theory behind self-care and mindset because I'm I've started looking at self-care and self-compassion quite a lot in the last sort of couple of years and it's becoming quite a new it's not a trend but it's they're realizing that the way you talk to yourself has a huge impact on your emotions your self-worth your esteem how you are as a human let alone as a parent because I imagine we're even harder on ourselves as parents than we are as a generic human or a colleague or whatever so what I guess what are the benefits that you've learned from your training um, about self-care for mothers? Crikey. Um, do you know what? I'm going to be really honest. There's a lot of people personally in my life who I've seen caring and as mums and dads who don't look after themselves. Mm. And I see them struggling. I see them stressing. I see them crying. I see them kind of pretending that yeah I'm all right Mm. and then I know they're not all right or there's people that I know who are very much trying to like go like 90 miles per hour Mm. and they've got you know it could be like two three four five kids and then they'll moan and they'll sort of say oh I just don't have any time to myself you know or they'll say well it's all right for you you've got one child I've got three kids you know having three kids or four kids or five kids is hard and Mm. it's like well if you were just to implement just like five minutes a day it makes a huge difference huge difference um yeah and and like there's things that I, I suppose that I've done myself like mindfulness I do every day um now that's a tricky one on. isn't it because mindfulness is one that when you hear what it is like just being present in the moment it yeah. sounds it sounds a heck of a lot easier than it really is to do it in practice it's incredibly mm-hmm. especially for people I mean obviously I've got ADHD and anxiety and my head goes three million miles an hour so someone's tell me to just try and sit and be still and be present and feel the moment it's really hard when your head races um yeah so have you had to have training in mindfulness or have you been taught it by someone or did you just sort of learn it yourself it's a bit of a cross really between like what my counselor recommended Hmm. but also me implementing it me putting it in and that I suppose that practice of doing it over the last, I would probably say I started doing mindfulness in 2020, actually. Don't get me wrong. During lockdown, some... probably, wasn't it? That lockdown? Yeah. yeah. I suppose it was just during lockdown. And I suppose with the mindfulness, like when I first started, like what you said there, mm. I have anxiety. So I've, I've got um, general anxiety disorder. And my when I first done mindfulness, I thought, what the bloody hell is this? How that and I and I, I think I was thinking things like, what am I going to do for dinner? What's my daughter doing? What's mm. my husband up to? What's he thinking? But I think the more you do it, and the more you practice, the more it becomes easier to do. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I've got the same anxiety disorder, and I'm very similar. Even things like meditation, it's like, which is very similar, but yeah, yeah. not. But I guess I, I would try them, and then I get so disheartened that I just 
and the it's ADHD like, kicks in and I forget to do it. <laughs> um, but I guess for people that are starting out that want to try mindfulness, have you got like a little way that you do? So, so it sounds like just just need five minutes in a day. And what typically do you do? Do you go and sit somewhere quiet? Do you yeah. use so, it? What do you do? I know it doesn't always apply to every mum because I know like every mum and every child and every family is different. So what I normally do, if I can, is to get up a little bit earlier before my daughter gets up. So my 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 little one normally gets up now between any time really between six and seven. So mm. I normally try and get up if I can around quarter to six, twenty to six, okay. quarter to six. Yeah. I'd normally just sit where it's silent. So sit where like you know if my husband's asleep, my daughter's asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, have a coffee, and that's when I can do my mindfulness because then that way I'm not being disturbed. Yeah. Or if I don't have time to do it in the morning, because obviously I'm human, so sometimes there might be the odd day where I will have that laying, I'll try and do it when my daughter goes to bed in the evening. Yeah. So then it will just give me that little bit, do you know what I mean? Just that that five minutes. And then it's kind of built up from five minutes to 10 minutes to 15 minutes. Mm. Um, and, and what do you do within that time? Do you try not to think of anything or do you let the thoughts flow through and just sort of observe them I've heard that's a technique just yeah yeah so that is definitely something that I do so I always use um an app called Headspace um so I like you know focusing on the breathing and and with that Headspace and with the app that I use and the um you know the mindfulness one I technique I use it actually says it's okay to let the thoughts come in because if you stop them thoughts coming in basically they're going to come in because you're mm. trying to control them not coming in does that make sense yeah, so definitely. if you if you sort of it, it's about I suppose finding that time or, or like giving yourself permission for that time for the thoughts to come in so mm. focusing on the breathing then they I think that's when they say like you know focusing on the breathing just focus on that then you can let your thoughts kind of run away with you so it's giving you that time once you've done your breathing to let the thoughts come in and then it brings you back in so it'll say you know come back to the breathing Mm. you know so it's not like you're just focusing on the breathing all the time you know because like what you said there earlier on with them with the anxiety and with the ADHD sometimes it's hard isn't it to just focus on that one thing so yeah that makes a lot of sense and yeah I've heard of the Headspace app I don't don't think I've used that one but there's probably plenty of apps that, that do it and I suppose the other thing is as well is so since you've been doing that what benefits have you found that 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 five ten minutes each day has given you what changes have you noticed in yourself since doing it I'm definitely a lot more calmer I'd say I'm a lot more content more calmer I'm able to it sounds really weird but I suppose I'm able to be a bit more in control of myself and like I suppose if anything does happen like you know if my daughter has a tantrum for example or you know if something that's been planned in the day and it doesn't go to plan um before I'd probably be thinking oh it's a mistake and I'd be like anxious or you know stressed out about it where actually I'm just like you know what having that five minutes is giving me that time to think right okay you know I can be it, it sort of just sets me off I can be more calmer I can be just and also more present more present with my daughter I find that really helps that sounds really good I think because those are things I struggle with but it's crazy how just five minutes a day could change the whole day with that if you know what I mean yeah it is very very effective I I, rec- I would recommend mindfulness to everybody but when I've suggested yeah. it to my family they're just like nah you're all right 
<laughs> it's that thing, isn't it? We're not really taught about this stuff. I mean, if we were taught about this and even practice it at school, when we're yeah. young, I think it would be great. We would already have it sort of habitually. And I think some schools, is it the sort of Montessori schools and places like that that we can, I can never afford, um, they promote yeah. that sort of stuff, don't they? The sort of daily being present with yourself because they've recognised if kids learn it then, they're set for life, basically, aren't they? Oh, um, definitely. That's a shame we didn't get that really but um no no that's it (laughs) that sounds really good but in terms of as well sort of your so you is that some of the things you would do with a client you would teach them mindfulness and and things like that and I guess so when it comes to self-care if you had a mum present herself who's had some severe birth trauma like you know similar to yourself and she might have had PTSD out of it and she's come to you for some help what what sort of things would you try to do with her? What would be the priorities, if, if it were, that, that she needs to sort of start doing to begin to reduce a lot of problems that birth trauma? You know what? I'm just trying to think what I've done with a couple of the girls I've worked with. I think I would be trying to identify that self-love. So starting to kind of reintroduce that loving their self and, be, and being kind being kind to their self as a mum because mm. I think when you go through PTSD and when you go through like birth trauma and, and like with anxiety and depression and stuff like I said before there is that kind of that lack of that that self-worth and and the hatred in yourself and that guilt and that shame and it's about kind yeah. of recognizing it and acknowledging it and thinking you know what let's let's try and switch this around so you know sort of asking the mum you know what do people say about you what are the people around you say about you? What are the positives that they say about you? What are the things that you love about yourself? And sort of just doing small steps, you know, and doing small steps with the mum to make her feel good. So doing the things that she enjoys, if it's going for a walk or, um, you mm. know, doing some like art stuff or, you know, doing some exercise and, and just sort of gradually implement it like that, really. Yeah. Um, journaling as well. I definitely recommend journaling. I journal. And that's something I definitely recommend to the women I work with because it's getting all of them thoughts and them feelings out on paper. And I know that's very effective. It's very good. Mm-hmm. So with the journaling then, I have said in other episodes that I'm desperate to do it. I just struggle. Like I'll buy the journals or I'll be yeah. sent the journals to, you know, show off on Instagram or something. And they're all different ones. Some are mindful, some are, you know, oh, it's random ones, gratitude um I've tried to do the secret where you do the magic every day you know gratitude every day but for oh, me yeah. I think the yeah. ADHD stuff is hard to maintain that but also when you I don't I'm not good at connecting with feelings which is why I suppose they suggest journaling because the lack of self-awareness I think so a lot of therapists will say to me you're great at spending an hour telling me what you're thinking but I ask you how you feel and you're just blank um so you need to work on your self-awareness working out how you're feeling in your body you know when you're getting certain emotions so that you can sense them and hopefully deal with them rather than just dysregulate but journaling is something that's suggested but again when I've looked at my journaling uh the rare time I do it and stick with it because after a week I tend to forget and it's gone but it's thoughts it's I think this is what's going on I'm not happy about this rather than I'm just wondering do you have a specific way that you journal that kind of works better for well-being and self-care do you know what I think everybody is different everyone's an individual and I think personally it's whatever works for you whatever Mm -hmm. works so like what you just said there for you 
um, saying about thoughts, thoughts are definitely still valid. So when, mm. when you sort of said earlier, like, you know, I'm angry about this or annoyed about that, that's mm. fine to put. I mean, some people I know have journaled and you get some people like me, I'm very kind of, I'm into like my emotions and my feelings and I'm quite, what's it called, as a kinesthetic person. So yeah. I go with my feelings and my intuition quite a lot. So for me, it's easier to kind of put about feelings, but for people who aren't in touch with their feelings and like with that awareness, mm. some people I know, have, like what you said, have just written about their thoughts and they've kind of done it as a list, actually. So or saying like, I'm feeling like this, to, you know, I'm thinking this today. I'm annoyed. I'm, I'm angry. I'm pissed off. I'm upset about this, mm. but not saying like, oh, it's made me feel like, you know, I've got like, something burning up inside me or I, I it's made me feel really angry because of this so I, I think it's I think it really just depends on the person itself some people I know who've journaled who have drawn pictures who have done poetry oh who have done like lyrics who have um even done spider diagrams it's what works for the individual some people have done it like a story like oh today I've done this and you know or have even done it in third person you know, it really just depends what works. I find that interesting because as a teenager, when I was starting to go mm. through to process some of the trauma stuff, my mm. go-to was writing little bits of poetry or sometimes yeah. listening to music. That, and even now, music with certain lyrics will enable me to feel a feeling that otherwise I would just not. So listening to something on purpose, on loop. <laughs> yeah. Kind of and that's what you're connected with that piece of music or that song has yeah. obviously brought something yeah maybe i should try the old poetry again not that it's you know, ordering or anything but maybe that's a way <laughs> of making sense of it rather than the generic yeah yeah so that's quite a good idea and also don't worry about having to spend like 10 20 quid on a journal i've done mine and just with an a4 notepad from like mm. i don't know wilkinson's 99p you can just yeah. write it however you want it, the yeah. whole point of a phase of journaling, which I love, is getting everything out. So what you're feeling and thinking and how you're reacting to things in your head and like yeah. the heaviness here on your chest, mm. it's just, it, it just releases that. With the, you know, it releases when you're getting it out on paper. I mean, some people, if I'm honest, some people don't journal. Some people do like drawing or painting and things like that. There's different ways. Yeah, they're all quite therapeutic because you can get your point yeah. out without necessarily using the written word. It could be, yeah, like you're saying, drawing something. Art yeah. therapy is huge. Play therapy, you know, there's all those sort yeah. of things. Um, I totally agree. I guess you've discussed sort of some of the counselling you had when you've had um, the PTSD when your daughter was a baby. What other things did you do to sort of try and get through that? I mean, do you still have PTSD? Is it something that's now kind of gone? Some people are left with it forever aren't they so where are you yeah. at now with your mental health sort of thing so I would say do you know what when I was going through obviously with my PTSD I had it for a few months and do you know what I even had a part of it when I was doing my life coaching training I think okay. this is why there's such a passion there um mm. then I obviously found like some coping strategies so I was able to kind of like I say put in the self-care so obviously when things were you know if I was tired or overwhelmed or you know, I wanted to look after myself, but, you know, painting's definitely one for me, mindfulness mm. is one, walks, you know, it's, it's finding them things that make me, that enrich me, that make me feel good, I was implementing them, and then um, this year, my anxiety kind of um, rose again, 
but for a different reason and it was more to do with my daughter so um basically we've kind of entered the SEM world now Mm. so my daughter she started nursery she has been under audiology she is under speech and language she's going to be obviously we're waiting for an appointment for a pediatrician and it's been if I'm honest with you the anxiety at the beginning was very much like oh my gosh oh my gosh like what am I going to do how am I going to be able to support her will I have to give up work will I have to do Mm. this because I've been finding things a bit too much I was doing obviously with this work I was doing my youth work at the time um obviously going for the appointments with my daughter and then I just I don't know like I was speaking with my counsellor and I just thought you know what like I can do this it is just finding Mm. a way of coping with everything and it's finding a way of okay you know my daughter needs me she she is my priority this is why I started my business up in the first place you know I'm a mum you know it's not just about me anymore it's about her Mm. um and you know I I had a few months off work so I was signed off for a few months and then last week I resigned so last week I'm not even working doing the youth work anymore so at least with this work I can focus this sort of work around my little one yeah um, but it has it has been yeah absolutely and do you know what it, this is something that I'm very passionate about as well and when I was doing my other work I love don't get me wrong I loved it but I found it just very close to home I was like coming home and then I'd be thinking oh my gosh what if my daughter has this what if I need to do this what if I need to do that what if I need to go to these appointments with her and you know I'd be listening to some of the parents and some of the parents be saying, oh, yeah, we had this about, you know, we had this with my child. And I was thinking, shit, I'm going through this with my little one, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and I, I suppose I just made the decision that actually I need to separate myself from doing the youth work. And yeah. the more I've listened to the mums, the more I was thinking, oh, my God, this is what I'm really, this is what I'm very connected with. Okay. I want to be mum, but I really want to focus also on the mum life and, the, you know, the well-being and everything. And it made it more apparent to me. I think mm-hmm. um but it, it's so I'll tell you what Claire it's so weird when you're a professional working mm-hmm. with kids with additional needs to then personally going through it with your child it's just a different dynamic I mean Definitely. I've got thank goodness I've got a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience from as a professional route so mm-hmm. doing referrals and your meetings and all that kind of thing has been fine but it, it's just it is different it's very very different very different I imagine and in terms of the SEN journey so far so have you been given any diagnosis or are you like right at the start of, of before any assessments we're right at the start right at the start okay. so we've been my daughter's been going to nursery since January mm. um so she's got like an SEN statement because basically with my daughter she you know she understands a lot better but hers is more the not talking you know and babbles and trying to say words but not putting sentences together and things like that um yeah and like I say she's been tested for her ears so she is under speech therapy as well um and yeah they've kind of just said like you you know we want a second opinion with the pediatrician I'm just like do you know what for me I know that early intervention is key and I know the earlier the kid can get the support the the better and the more thrive they'll have because again I've worked with kids who haven't had that Mm. support and then they've struggled like in school and you know when they become an adult and all that kind of thing yeah Um, so being only three I think it's a perfect age if there is anything there that 
you know yeah you can start supporting her with it's definitely better definitely. now than you know four five ten years time um where definitely. like you said it's much harder for her to work with but have they got any ideas of what they think do they think it's literally just her speech do they think it's something else um have they given you any sort of thoughts of... really. i mean they've oh. just kind of said at the minute it's her speech but there is obviously certain things but i definitely think there's like sensory definitely there's some sensory stuff oh. going on because there's there's certain sounds like the hoover and the hand dryer and things like that that she doesn't like and my son was exactly like that but his speech was fine but he had this huge fear like public toilets and hand dryers oh my goodness he would like yeah. belt out That's there like that... he can't do it um, even now the sensories and I have the sensory stuff but that's my ADHD so he's um right. obviously going to be looked at for that um yeah slash slash also I'm awaiting autism assessment and oh, sensory okay. can be either can be both yeah um yeah yeah but um commonly I think with autism isn't it I think speech can, can be a thing um can be a thing. not I'm not an expert but just a little bit no no cool. um, that's why I didn't know if they've ever said anything or actually if they think maybe it's a hearing issue and once well, they this, she might be well this was one of the things they did explore with her like sort of January February time the audiology because yeah. they did say there was a chance that her I think there was one point she was unwell she had a chest infection and um, they said about her hearing was blocked Mm. um so they were like so I thought oh gosh is she gonna have to have grommets hearing aids and all that and then when we went back I think it was a couple of months after they said oh it's fine so I was thinking okay so obviously ah. it's not the hearing then right, um yeah. so obviously now we're just sort of focusing on the speech but in fairness no one's kind of said anything about none of the professionals have said anything about no. but I'm very much like do you know what whatever will be will be I've yeah. I've kind of gone through the whole of being in denial even putting blame on myself thinking gosh you know was I was I stressing in the pregnancy have I done something you know I, I've kind of gone through that whole self-doubt myself yeah. and now I think I've come to an acceptance point of okay if there is ADHD if there's autism if there's something I'll be there with her but also yeah. it's really made me question because I've spoken to my mum my mum's been mm. amazing the last few months and my mum said, you know what, it's so weird. You're going on the same journey with your daughter as I went on with you. She said, you had speech therapy. You oh, wow. had, um, yeah, I, I didn't talk until I was about four or five. Now you can't shut me up. <laughs> but, <laughs> so it could be more genetic. Now. I mean, if, yeah. for instance, if they did go, do you know what, this is part of, I don't know, a divergence like ADHD or autism, mm-hmm. it kind of is like very highly, it, it's practically most people, are, it's genetic so yeah it could be yeah. and if that it's definitely not your fault it's a literal no, way the brain is wired at birth you know you, absolutely you, no one can no one's done that on purpose by being stressed in no so that, that, that it's just a different way of, of a brain different way of doing it not and not actually that's something that I I want to do because I'm seeing a lot of similarities of me and my daughter and my mum said oh you used to do that you used to do that when you were younger you you know you'd you'd like you know follow me and or you'd get really mm. anxious and and I, you know when it like you things kind of like click and you think and I think yeah. wow maybe I should get tested maybe and like when I talked about right. it with my well this is this is the thing and um obviously I went to see a pediatrician apparently when I was little okay. but I know your girls, siblings as well because you have siblings don't you yeah you... I've got an old I've got an older sister and no nothing see my my sister was very um she was very academic but she always used to talk 
for like this is what my mum said like when they were little the doctors used to think like with my sister that she'd talk for me and do things for me why mm. I didn't really talk mm. but I don't think it's ne- not necessary because when I've seen obviously my, my I've got three nephews and um the middle child who's a couple of months older than Elena and my daughter mm. um he talks so I'm thinking it can't just it can't be because the older siblings talk and I think it is just the person itself you know yeah so, and if it were to be neurodivergence everyone's different so yeah of course I don't of fit course. the textbook male and gender is different as well so I was yeah. academic, I was academic at school I and you know they always say well ADHD you know you only focus on what's interesting which to a degree is true but actually yeah. I had an anxiety disorder probably from being not diagnosed so yeah. I have GAD probably from a life of, of never knowing I, I, think had I it. have and yeah and actually I was highly academic in all subjects I found boring because I had a fear of failure which is an ADHD trait um oh. I I didn't want to fail perfectionism is an ADHD trait um mm. RSD rejection sensitive dysphoria the thought of people rejecting me because I was stupid or because I didn't pass something or I was less than that pushed me to ensure I focused on things I didn't find you know whereas other people with ADHD can't do that it's it shows up differently so you're I was a talker I was advanced quickly with my walking talking like it sounds like your sister was does but I had do you know what I mean it presents differently if it was a boy if you had a brother and they had it again a whole nother plethora of no totally different it's and I think I would always say if you have a thing of all do I look above look at your parents do the research, listen to stuff. Tick my TikTok, go on my TikTok. <laughs> um, you know, not that yeah. I'm that. Go on, look at loads of stuff about how it presents in adults and the two genders and children, and see if any yeah. of that hits a chord with you, your siblings, your parents. You know, oh, my mum's a bit like that. Oh, is that? Well, that? do you know yeah. what? This is this is the thing because I've been like I say since I've been off work in February, from February to now. Um, I've been spending a lot of time with my mum. So my mum has been like yeah. the hugest support with everything with the, with my daughter. Yeah. And um, I've been talking to her and she's been talking about kind of like when, you know, when I was at like my daughter's age and stuff. And my mum has got sensory. My mum has got sensory stuff. So she doesn't like um, loud noises, Same. big crowds. Same. She said to me the other day, we went to the beach. She was like, I can't stand sand. She said, the mm. thought of sand. Where like my daughter loves the feel of sand you know and my mum yeah the own textures and stuff and I noticed with my daughter she does this a lot with her hands to feel things so she kind of touches things and I'm like oh okay there's obviously sensory stuff there and I said to my mum I said I wanted there's some sensory stuff with with you and my mum said you know I've always felt very different and I know I know with girls and this is something that I believe that I've always done growing up masked a lot so we masked a lot more than we were taught that we have to do that the, the yeah. female role is this is how you present this is what you do you have to be a mother of you yeah. know, a wife uh, in school this is how you present so we we don't get away with the stuff well get away is probably one word but societally it was mm. we were pretty much trained very quickly we don't show that yeah. stuff even if we feel it we don't show that hyperactivity and a lot of the females their hyperactivity part of adhd for instance is actually the thoughts the whizzing thoughts and they'll commonly get diagnosed as an adult with depression or anxiety when they are actually symptoms of it because they're not being treated for it so it's a trick complex one and again autism is you know autism and ADHD are both sometimes misdiagnosed for the other because they're yeah they're so similar but they are mm. they have also got traits separately and a lot of women 
that's both apparently the more I'm reading into it ah. hence why so yeah it's it's a big one it's a big tour I feel like I talk about it all the time but you know it's a bit of an eye opener it's really it's, it's really interesting and, and this is something I suppose the last sort of like two or three months I've been kind of really mm. interested in the FDM stuff really because I yeah because I like I say, I'm noticing things with my little in I noticed yeah. things obviously with me and I've been noticing things with my mum as well and I suppose my sister actually because my my sister always says, oh, I know I like a bit of a routine. And she always sort of says, oh, um, I know I've got that little bit of autism where I just love certain things in certain ways. And if plans break, she panics and, you know, and she can be, you know, she likes things sort of done right, you know, where I, I know I can be a little bit like, I, Andy's like, he always says to me, gosh, you know, you, you do like to be organised. But I say, I like to be organised because if I'm not organised, that's when my anxiety kicks in. So yeah, that fine. whole kind of mm-hmm. control, yeah. Yeah, being in control of it. So I guess with this thing now, this this potential SEN stuff that you're going through, the mm-hmm. control is taken away from you. You don't yeah. know at the moment if there is anything and how to help your daughter. So in yeah. terms of your mental health point of view, what techniques have you been trying to use from your own um, training to cope with that that you could possibly give as like tips for other parents out there that might be about to go through the same thing that you are? Because exactly. it is, it is like you said, the guilt and the fear and the how do I help my child? Is it's a horrible feeling? Like, how do yeah. you manage that in a sort of constructive? <laughs> I'm way? still managing it, if I'm honest with you. I'm yeah. still kind of managing it day by day. But I, I suppose I've learned to be kind to myself. Mm. I've learned to kind of think, you know what, this is our journey, mm. um, and I'm doing the very best I can. Mm. I know that my daughter's loved. I know that my daughter's happy. I know that she's very content and they always say, don't they, a happy, you know, happy child, happy mum and all that kind of thing. Um, I think acceptance as well, not mm. being in denial. I think accepting that this is the, and I, and I think that can be one of the hardest things Definitely. is accepting that there's something that could, there could be, you know, I, I've got it with my husband. My husband doesn't want to talk about it. He, he finds it very, very difficult to come to mm. terms with. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to kind of say, you know, this this is going to be our path. We are going to have appointments. We are going to have meetings mm-hmm. and stuff. So mm-hmm. I would say definitely for a mum, be kind to yourself. Accept acceptance, you know, and finding obviously the support because there's going to be some people, family and friends, people at work, neighbours, all that. Some people aren't going to understand the journey. So it's actually mm-hmm. talking to the right people, whether it's someone else who's got a child who's in a similar situation or... Mm. You, you know what I mean it's finding the right people to talk to you've got to find your community haven't you definitely find a community it yeah a lot. we we have it so much with um even personally with us saying oh you know she'll be all right she'll get there she'll do this she'll do that and I'm thinking yes she will but it's going to be different and mm. I, I think mums you just know I, I think it's that mother's instinct isn't it you just know yeah uh, I... I have that thing now. I wish I knew. I wish I'd worked all this out like a decade ago when I had my child, because what yeah. may have happened by now, you know, it's that thing. But I mean, so far, I suppose from this this episode, you've you've given an insight into the sort of awful experiences that you've had, sort of with birth trauma <laughs> and stuff. And and it sounds really interesting the techniques you've learned, and now you go on to help other mums with their identity and their acceptance and and things like that. And you've talked about ways that we can start self care, so journaling. Um, trying to find a little bit of five minutes to try and do sort of mindfulness whether it's a headspace app or you know whatever works for them yeah have you got any other things that any other ideas of 
that that people can try if they're a parent with mental health conditions themselves and they're trying to parent sort of but also like you say they need to keep their own self-worth high enough so that they don't struggle because we know that people with low self-esteem when they have bad mental health it can really decrease your mental health further so is there any other things that people can try whilst parenting to sort of I don't know what kind of other self-care can they do as well as sort of the journaling and the the mindfulness that you would... I mean I know you've got obviously that yeah I mean I know you've got the whole kind of cliche like you know run yourself a bubble bath with candles and soft music and yeah. like like we touched on with mindfulness and journaling but I would just say do you know what a part of self-care is actually giving yourself time and care, and giving that self-care that you would care for somebody else they care for someone that you love they mm. the care and the input that you put for your child gives back to yourself you know, so showing yourself that love. And, you know, self-care can be anything, couldn't it? It could be just going for a walk around the block just to give yourself that time and, you know, mm-hmm. getting yourself some fresh air, get, you know, treating yourself to your favourite chocolate bar or something, you know. It's, yeah. it's just giving I back to that's balance, yourself. isn't it, as well? Not just being mum, it is. isn't it? It's, it's having yeah. that balance between mum and if you work, you know, you sort of work, but as well as just being you and being yeah. a partner if you're with someone it's kind of yeah to make sure it's all balanced and not one of oh, the neglected isn't it which is the trickiest yeah act isn't it and I mean. there's so many different hats as well isn't it yeah. like what you said there you know it's being mum it's been you know being daughter being a friend being a partner and you know so many different things that we we have to juggle yeah. but then sometimes we're so consumed with what we're juggling that we do forget about ourselves exactly Thank you for coming on today. It's been um, it's quite interesting to look at that. I think so. If people want to find you, because they, you know, what 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 do you do? What can you offer them that that do you work online? Do you only work in your local area a lot with your coaching? Is it something that people can access across the country? Or so, yes, people can. Mm. People can access me. Um, so I am going to be offering some like one to one. So people that live in Suffolk. I'm going yep. to be offering like face-to-face one-to-one yep. but anyone in the country if they want to just like have a chat over zoom like this they can yep. or if they want to dm me or email me they can as well but I do offer one-to-ones um and I normally do offer like one-to-ones like I say through zoom like this or over the phone brilliant. so and, and I normally do, do they... like six sessions. six sessions okay that's brilliant and how do they find you then? Website, Instagram, what's the best way that they can contact you? I moment? would probably say Instagram. Um, I've got, yeah, so my Instagram, my Facebook group. Um, it is, I think it is private on there, on Facebook. But um, if you, I think people can reach it through Instagram. So if people are interested in, um, you know, obviously coming into the group, they mm. can request to come in, if that makes sense. And I can kind oh, of accept okay. it. So is that on your sort of in, your Instagram bio is the link direct link to it on it there? It should be, yeah. Right. I've got like a link tree. Is it link tree? Where the yep. Facebook group's in. So then people can request to come in that way. Um, and what I is your username? What's your username on Instagram so people can follow you? Oh, Life with Laura Clark. And Laura is L-O-R-A, isn't it? Yeah, L-O-R-A, not L-A-U-R-A. And it's Clark exactly. without me. Perfect. So I will obviously write all of that as well with links in the show notes. So Lovely. Click on that. It's nice and easy, then, isn't it? Yeah. And you've Lovely. also got a website, like you said, and that's is that lifewithlawclark.com. Is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. That is going to be updated because I'm going to be adding like a few little bits to it. But I mean, if people want to have a look at they can at the moment, that oh, there's going to be some additional stuff added. 
So as well of one-to-ones, do you, are they within specific things? So are they like separate one-to-ones for mindset, life coaching, self-care, or, or all of those things covered within the six weeks? It could be, it could be, yeah. I mean, it could be anything. It could be like someone approached me just sort of saying, you know, I really kind of work, want to work on like looking after myself. So we'd look mm. at kind of like self-care. We'd look at like, you know, the mindset of changing them negative thoughts and feelings and the negative like maybe habits if you like and switching them to kind of like positive for them um so yeah and I also noticed on your website you've got um a few pages on like tips for self to help your self-esteem tips for getting that work mum life balance so if anyone wants a few of them that's quite handy on your site too yeah yeah well thank you very much for being open because obviously birth trauma is not always an easy thing for people to talk about that's why I don't think many many women do do they um no and no it's such a taboo isn't it it really is which it shouldn't be because you know a lot of women go through it and only now I'm realizing I probably should have had some sort of support I mean from the 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 NHS about you know do you want to talk about it afterwards because Mm -hmm. it wasn't pleasant it was a no. back-to-back labour for 27 hours. It was horrific. It was vile. And it's caught, you know, it has caused me physical problems from, you know, with my back ever since. But Yeah, ever since, yeah. You know, it's kind of like a lot of people just assume they've just got to get on with it. But like you said, you need to talk. And it sounds like your counsellor was amazing for that. And, and she is. You. I've been with her for years, to be fair. Yeah. I don't think I could go with anybody else. <laughs> she, she just, I've been working with her for so long. And she, I just feel like she sort of gets me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she sort of understands me. And I think, because actually I'm going to be going in September. I am actually going to be going to uni to do a counselling degree. Because even though I'm trained, yeah. I want to kind of get qualified. So again, that will work with the, this business. It will work around my daughter and everything else so yeah wow be, uh, good luck with yeah. that That's thank thing you to, add to your daily, <laughs> your daily list <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll see how we go but I mean if I need to go part-time with it, it yeah. it's fine you know what I mean but I just think at the moment it will I think it it will bring into this work you know mm, no definitely I think I think you, you've got a lot of good areas combined so that you can help people with a lot of different things at the same time yeah. no brilliant thank you very much for coming thank on thank you thank and, you for um, having me yeah it's been a pleasure and I'm I'm sure there might be other relevant topics we could talk about in the future if you ever oh want. definitely no, and also definitely. I forgot to mention you also have a pod so oh tell us, I do tell us where people Claire, you'll need it. to come on my podcast you'll I have to come on mine to say, though, to be <laughs> yes I could come <laughs> on I've got anything to give to it, I'll have to do it. no I'm sure you will hun. but no my, my podcast is called discussing with law and guests so it's basically sort of similar to it I suppose what you do Claire really I talk to to various um people so some are mums some are um just sort of professionals and some are um you know just sort of people who actually haven't got kids and we just talk about everything really we'll talk about motherhood mental health well-being lots of different things so yeah love it so also I will put that one in the show notes if people can click it well because cool support each other's pods definitely but yeah if you ever want me I- i'm sure i've never been on anyone else's pod though that would be interesting uh-huh. it's a new one for me um <laughs> but no, thank you and um thank you take care and, and uh, you good luck with your sen journey maybe you'll come back on to maybe you know towards the end of it to, to look at how that's been for you as a yeah no i'm sure i will definitely Oh, brilliant. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.
If you've liked this episode, please help us out by liking, subscribing or leaving us a review as this helps us to reach more people. If you've got any ideas about topics to cover on future episodes or questions about the pod or you even want to be interviewed for it, please get in touch on our socials using at mindboxpod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter or email us on mindboxpod at gmail.com. Thank you.